morning and welcome to the Girls Who Sell Spotlight podcast, where we talk about everything business to business sales. My name is Heidi Solomon Orlick, and I am the founder and CEO of Girls Who Sell. At Girls Who Sell, we are not only committed to closing the gender gap in B2B sales, but to building the largest pipeline of diverse early stage female sales talent. We are more than a company. We are a movement. On today's episode, I am super excited to introduce you to Jen Ferguson, Global Sales Onboarding Delivery Manager for Salesforce, host of the insanely popular LinkedIn Live show, Sales and Leadership with Heart, founder and growth strategist of Sales 911, mentor at Hashtag Girls Club, advocate for change and support of working moms and all around incredible human being. Jen, welcome to the spotlight and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me and for that amazing intro. You're, you're making me tear up it's a, a, at your kind words. You know, I, I just strive to give women an opportunity to have the things that like I wish I had throughout my career and that, you know, my daughter might need in her career as she, you know, grows into a woman. She's 10. So she's got lots of time. I love that you actually got emotional about that because I know that you are the one that is usually on the other side of the camera introducing everybody else. So sometimes it's hard to receive. It is hard to receive. I'm, you know, and I'm working on that. I'm, I've gotten more compliments lately than I have in a good deal of my journey and it's new and like amazing and exciting. And I'm, I'm grateful but it is like I'm learning to accept compliments um, and I'm on that journey. <laughs> I, 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 do get, I do get that. So anyway, let's, uh, let's talk about that journey. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your current role and how you got into sales? Yeah. So my current role is really enabling account executives, uh, solution engineers to be prepared for success, equipped, energized, ready to go and uh, take over the world. So it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, just being prepared, right? Um, being seen, heard, uh, value and equipped and, you know, just supported. Yeah, that's great. And so how did you get into sales initially? Yeah, so I actually started out in retail. I was in college while I was uh, managing retail stores and had an opportunity to go travel the country. And so I took them up on it. I was like, yeah, I'll go travel. So I opened new stores um, across the country and really had the opportunity to bring on teams, open a new store, and then move on to the next one, all while having a store of my own and a team in place to be able to manage my store and meet those goals. And, um, you know, eventually, somehow I got into the cigar industry, believe it or not, Um, being a general manager. Talking about male-dominated. Oh, my gosh. Which... The irony that, you know, uh, the cigar industry was kinder to women in, in a lot of ways than like tech, you know, really? um, it's the difference between the patriarchy and the fratriarchy, right? Hmm. <laughs> and so um, while I was a general manager of the cigar bar with a membership club and wholesale business and, you know, um, 
I had a conference room that I would book out for salespeople. And so I would have software salespeople come in and do their thing. They would, you know, buy cigars. They would sign the contracts. They would go golfing. And like, that was their day. And I was like, how can I do that? (laughs) You know, here I am working nights and weekends, filling in if a bartender is sick. I'm like, you know, uh, that life seems a lot easier than what I'm doing. Um, And I could do that because it was clear it was all about relationship building. That's why they were bringing them to a cigar bar where, you know, they had live entertainment and you could have cigars and, you know. Um, So I was like, well, let me let me explore that. And so I got an opportunity. I got in the door by being a secretary. So I, here I am going from general manager to uh, being a secretary so that I could get in the door of a software company. And of course, really quickly, I was like an account executive. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good sometimes to know that it's, you know, to take, to get, to move forward, you know, you may need to take a step back, right? And, you know, well, yeah. I don't know, that's sort of a good life lesson, I think. I think so too. I mean, right. Right. My journey has always been more of a jungle gym rather than a like ladder. And I'm entirely okay about it. Um, Because, you know, at the end of the day, success is what you make of it. Like how you define success is how you'll feel successful. Right. So I define success by making sure my kids are good humans that I'm happy and fulfilled in what I'm doing and that I feel like I'm making a contribution, um, that I can advocate and support women in what I'm doing, that that's, that's okay and accepted and that I can be vocal about that. Um, and that I'm just, you know, that I'm just happy. You know, there was a time where success to me was being a VP of sales. That's not my journey. I actually had the opportunity to take a VP of sales course that I got a scholarship for. And, uh, you know, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this at all. And so that was that awareness of, yeah, you know what? I don't think I would enjoy that. That's not for me. And realizing that the value that I bring is that I really enjoy coaching people. I enjoy making, you know, the content and being able to support people for their success, that that was sort of my superpower. Yeah, I love that. I've gone through some similar um, changes in my career, moving in and out of, of sales leadership and um, definitely my career has not been totally linear, but I'm, I, I'm actually really happy right now, you know, um, being more in an individual contributor role and, and uh, having to just worry about myself and my own goal instead of managing an entire team. And it's okay. I mean, there was, yeah, I mean, there was a time in my career when I was younger that my vision of success was completely different, but, um, I don't know, it changes as your priorities change as you get older. I think it does. It does. So my priorities when, you know, my kids were babies 
are very different now that they're school age children. You know, um, one of the reasons I advocate for women and flexibility in the workplace is because of some of those experiences I had trying to balance being a new mom, but also recognizing that, you know, I was a top contributor and that I enjoyed that, right? Um, and trying to balance it all. Um, and so I think that, you know, that's super important. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I interview women for Girls Who Sell, that's actually an, a big issue that comes up a lot um, of why women uh, or, you know, young girls, you know, do not want to go into sales is, you know, their concern about how to balance being a mom, you know, with the, uh, you know, with the, I don't know, uh, the demands, right? Yeah, the demands, yeah, the demands that's the word I was looking of, for, you know, the demands of, of being a sales executive. And then, of course, also the concern that they're going to be on a commission only, which obviously, you know, I think is a misperception. But let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, how did you balance and you and I did this and we've done it successfully, but how did you balance that? Um, I, I mean, I, I won't lie. It was a struggle and I left, I left to try to be a stay-at-home mom and realized pretty quickly that wasn't for me, but I left because I left because of the time that, uh, you know, I was stopped in security and my breast milk was spilled out. Oh, for the time my three-year-old threw her, herself on my suitcase, crying, saying, mommy, don't go. And so you could be a top contributor and still required to do more. Go on a trip that really you don't necessarily need to be there for. You know, it's one thing if you're going to go see a client to close a deal, right? Whole nother thing to suddenly have to show up for a meeting when you know it's not a good time because you've been traveling a lot. That flexibility, like offering moms that flexibility is absolutely key. Not only for like the emotional needs that uh, like a mom has when they first have a baby, but also for the needs of the family. You know, my daughter went through this, this period of, um, you know, of course I was, I was selling a lot and traveling a good deal, even though, you know, I was home in presence. Every time she saw that suitcase come out, she would get so emotional, like crying, just like, why do you have to leave? And I didn't need to take every one of those business trips. Some of those were just required. Like I have to be present for something that really over the overall scheme of things, it wasn't that important. Now I worked remote in a time most people didn't work remote I worked remote from like 2007 to 2014 so way ahead of sort of the curve right and um I was able to do all the things I needed to do I would say in a lot of cases I was most successful because I was working from home yeah and um the those moments that I had you know that were difficult were like the few occasions, you know what I mean? So can you imagine someone who has to go to the office regularly and who has to travel all the time? 
You know what I mean? And because my life wasn't like that. And I don't want anyone to get this idea that it was. It was occasional and my child reacted like that. It wasn't like every week. And um, so like listening to your, your moms and your employees offering flexibility, all of that's so super important because there are a lot of people like me who try to be a stay-at-home mom and realize, you know what? This, this isn't for me. Like, I'm not good at this. I don't like it. I don't feel like I need more, right? And so it's funny when I took that time and I tried to get back into the workplace, uh, I think I was at a quarter of what I previously made. And it took me years to get back up to where I was financially. And just because you, you had that resume gap, just because of the resume gap to take and off it was and a, be a mom. Yeah. And it wasn't even that big of a gap because I started doing consulting on the side. As soon as I realized that I wasn't, you know, like I was actually being depressed because I couldn't do things. Like I couldn't finish things. It was just like this every day. And I love my kids and I love spending time with my kids, but I needed to feel like I would accomplish something. Mm -hmm. And every day it was like, oh, okay. I didn't actually accomplish getting the house clean because as soon as it was clean, it was destroyed again. I didn't accomplish, like I'd make dinner, but then there's the dishes and then my husband would come home and he'd make a mess. It was like nothing, nothing was accomplished. I had to feel like I finished something. Yeah. Um, that was me. I, I can totally re- relate. I, I was uh, not the stay at home mom personality either. And, and in fact, our aha moment was when my husband and I at one point literally passed each other in an airport because uh, of the amount of travel <laughs> we were doing. And um, it was like, you know, and the nanny was at home. And, and so, you know, we were very fortunate that uh, we made the decision. We had a complete reverse household and my husband was the stay at home dad for 15 years. And, um, you know, I was on the road and traveling and, and doing sales and it worked for us, you know, doesn't work for many people, you know, no, but, it uh, doesn't, you know, he, and he did a better job at it, to be honest. I mean, I was there for a lot of the key stuff, but, um, but yeah, so it was, um, it, it is kind of an interesting dynamic, but let's go back. I mean, it, it, uh, it, it sort of infuriates me, this whole concept of, you know, having a resume gap, taking off to have kids. And then, you know, women are already underpaid, um, and make, you know, cents on the dollar to a man. Um, but then, you know, that being compounded by the fact that you take some time off to care for your children just seems uh, crazy to me. What, well, and how can like I address that? Well, and I mean, I have a great deal of privilege, right? So as bad as it is for me, right, in that moment or taking that time off, there are so many people out there that have it so much more work, so much worse. Right. Right. And I have the support of my family. My family is super close to me. They're like 10 minutes away. My mom helps me out all the time. Like I have support and have these experiences. 
So can you imagine for the people who don't have this support and for the, the folks who can't even like are like look at their childcare bill as like the same amount as their mortgage. Right. Right. And half need that need more, you know, there's a huge crisis when it comes to childcare in our nation, you know, being able, you know, if you're, if your kid has a fever and they can't go to school, what do you do? Especially as a single and mom, right? Like, what do you, I mean, especially as a single mom, right? And then there's the, the biases, the biases that come into the interview process. There's the biases that in, while you're in the workplace that all also play a part. The, you know, it's like a, a crisis of not only childcare, but mental health, uh, emotional health. Just, I, I worry. You know, I worry for moms out there. That's why we're losing so many from the workplace because it's just, it's a lot. And with the pandemic, it's become worse. I remember, you know, early on while I was working and my son was next to me and my son couldn't read. He's in kindergarten. He can't read. I have to read every screen while working. And then my daughter's sitting next to me on the other side. It was like two weeks in before I realized that she spent two weeks watching YouTube. Like she hadn't done any work and the teacher reached out because she's got the headphones. She looks like she's working. Like I had no idea because here I am trying to work and reading every screen to him, you know, thank goodness he learned how to read quick though. I won't take credit for that because, um, you know, one day he started reading and I'm like, Oh my gosh, how did you look like, you know, we were, practicing a little but what like he's like oh minecraft like i start minecraft i'm like child learn how to read through minecraft that's that's a little embarrassing (laughs) right and so so you think it actually got worse during the pandemic versus oh it was significantly worse significantly worse because you had the stress of working while trying to help the kids And, you know, my husband, while he tries to to be a great partner and do his share and and in some ways he does, but he's forgetful and it's not, it's just not top of mind for him, right? Like it's top of mind for me. Like, okay, you, I got to read your screen. I got to, you know what I mean? And so um, in a lot of cases, the responsibility has fallen on the moms to do it, even though both partners are home. And so it was bad. It was bad. Like I, there were times where I would like cried like every day because it was like during the day, if I didn't get my work done because I'm reading these screens and I'm working. And so there were like three days where I, I stayed up and then I got laid off. And I was like, Oh my gosh, thank God. (laughs) And I was only, you know, uh, I needed to be laid off. Like I, but how did that impact me for in the workplace? I had to go find a job and it was not easy for me. I went into interviews where I swear I was meeting with Darth Vader and they had the black 
background and I like the big black chair and you know I could almost hear the Star Wars theme in the background and you know um, those questions just like you get to the point where you realize and you recognize that they're looking for something wrong as opposed to looking for what's right in you yes yeah and the crazy part is you won't you won't see it to like the fifth or sixth interview where they start looking for something wrong and now you've invested all of that time to only realize that you're now sitting on a zoom with Darth Vader who's looking for something wrong with you yeah and that you're you're not getting any further yeah and I think, you know, we are in a crisis. I mean, when you look at turnover today, particularly amongst women in sales, it's it, it's in crisis mode. I mean, all companies are doing is filling empty buckets. And I, I worry because about, you know, Girls Who Sell is all about building a pipeline of um, diverse early stage female sales professionals, right? That's what mm-hmm. our mission is. But we can create the pipeline. But if we don't, if companies are not committed to changing their culture and mm-hmm. providing the flexibility, providing, you know, sort of addressing this whole bro culture issue, um, providing the training and men- mentorship for young women to be successful and being able to progress in their career, they're not going to stay. So, yeah, no, it's got to be inclusion first. You have to work on inclusion first because you can bring on all the women, but if you're not conscious to be intentional about creating a culture of inclusion, then it's not going to matter because those, those women may leave or they'll be pushed out because another thing we don't commonly talk about is that women and men aren't sometimes aren't even measured the same the territories aren't measured the same the you know all of those those things you know it was funny there was this one time I um I won an award for being the like biggest contributor most you know making the biggest impact and I turned around and I remember seeing everyone scowl Like there was not one person other than the person giving me the award that was celebrating my success. They resented it. And both men and women. Yeah. To turn around and realize that I was being resented for this moment. And I wasn't even expecting it at the time I was a leader. And so I had brought on a team of people while also making uh, so much of a contribution that I had the largest contribution in addition to bringing on a team. Hmm. Um, And in that moment, I'm just like, you know, nobody's happy for me. What do you think that is? Was the culture just toxic all you know, yeah, all together. It was, or, or it was, but they didn't. It was to you succeed for some other reason. No, it was. Um, it you know, it was a, not a great culture. 
And I think nobody was expecting me to get an award. Uh, so they were caught off guard. But it was like, how could such a good moment, what should have been a good moment, be so crappy? Right. And that's what, you know, celebrating people's success, regardless of who they are, being in a supportive environment, being treated across the board the same, or allowing everyone an opportunity to share all those things make such a huge difference. I remember, you know, the first meeting that I felt like my ideas were valued. Like, I know the moment, the date, you know, just that first meeting that I have ever been to in my career where I can bring my ideas and that they're valued and that that was important. And that's, you know, to be successful despite the people around me, to be a top contributor despite the people is a hard journey. But being in sales is still the best thing I ever did. Like making that choice and being able to push past all of that and be successful and know that no matter what's thrown in my way, that I can overcome it and achieve is still one of the best things I ever learned. So can you imagine all the things I could have achieved had people around me supported me? Had I been in workplaces where I would have gotten that support? You know, it's a huge opportunity for employers because I think their best hope for success in the next year are women. Just like that article, uh, the women are the future of mm -hmm. B2B sales. But it's also, there's, it's the biggest potential. But all you have to do flexibility, support, listen, like that's all you have to do. And that's not really asking a lot. Yeah. Well, I really hope, not. I hope uh, any people in leadership roles in organizations that want to bring on more women in sales who are listening to this podcast, really take this to heart because it is um, one, thank you for your vulnerability I know that was hard yeah. and but so, too, you know I think I it has to it has to change it, it just it has, has to change and it's important it's important that people hear the stories and people know and they reflect and learn because if there's a leader out there who learns just from this this podcast and is just a little bit more inclusive, then that matters. It matters to someone. It certainly mattered, it mattered to me when I had an opportunity to feel inclusion. To feel valued. Mm -hmm. To feel valued, and I, right? Yeah. And it was almost two decades later from the last time. But I got to run. I know we're at the end of our meeting. Um, I, I so appreciate your time today. And um, I'd love to maybe schedule a follow-up you know, conversation. You know, there's so much to unpack here. I think we just touched the surface. 
But uh, Jen, as always, thank you. And, and uh, I just want to end by saying I value you so much and the contribution that you're making to sales and women in sales. So thank you for all you do. Well, thank you. Thank you for all you do. And uh, thank you for allowing me to, to share some of these insights with you and um, for making me feel comfortable to do that and including me. <laughs> All right. You have a great day. Take care. You too. Bye. All right.